Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Thank you all for being here. Uh, my name is Bryce Vandere. I'm the associate pastor here at Refresh Community Church. Um, I want to do a special thank you to those visiting with us, especially if this is your first time here. That's kind of a legendary day to attend for the first time. So I uh, would love to meet you after the service if that's the case for you. We also want to thank those who are joining us virtually as well on this fine MLK weekend. Um, it is always good practice to appreciate and celebrate those who have come before us and have put a lot of work and sacrifice into making our world a better place. We thank God for the work of Dr. King this weekend. You know, I'm pretty sure that our church uh, would bring him to tears if he could see it. And, you know, we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as citizens of God's kingdom, we pray that our communities are more and more aligned with the values of the kingdom of God. And this belief was the bedrock of Dr. King's work. It was not just moralistic. It was not just right. It was Christian. And we are thankful for his role in our history. You know, this morning we are going to be continuing our series called Relentless, all about our pursuit of Jesus. Last week, well, we were talking about pursuing Jesus through prayer, and this week we were talking about pursuit of Jesus through his word. And this series is all about being rooted in Christ and what practices we can cultivate in our lives to become more rooted in him. And the fact is that if we want to be rooted in him, we continually need to be moving toward him. Our nature is affected by sin to the extent that if we aren't moving toward him, we drift away from him. We don't have to try to drift away. All we have to do is do nothing, and it just happens. But the good news is that we can't drift so far away that we cannot return. And we can always, um, and actually I think that like God is closer than we feel or believe, even if we feel like we have drifted away. So I encourage you today, let's turn to him together, and let's learn from his word. Please join me in standing for the reading of God's word. We are in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. This is the sixth book of the Bible. It'll be on your screens. We're going to be doing verses 1 to 9 of Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, 
For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will have, make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You may have your seats. Carlos has been our lead pastor here for close to six years, and I vividly remember his first Sunday as our pastor and the first change that he made at our church. He got up to preach, and he said, please stand for the reading of God's word. And we all looked at each other and were like, yes, sir, yes, sir. And we stood up for the reading of God's word as he read it aloud. You know, we didn't have that habit before of standing to hear the word of God. And I love that we stand for the reading of God's word. It communicates something. That action, that practice, the habit that we collectively have is a testimony of the primacy of God's word. It's an action that communicates a truth. And the truth is this. The Bible, God's words to his people, are the most important words that we hear ever. All words are secondary to his. That is what we believe. All words are secondary to his. Our focus this morning is going to be on the second half of this passage because God is giving instructions to Joshua about the word of God. But the first half of the passage tells us about the situation that Joshua and the Israelites are in. They are on the brink of war. They are beginning a campaign to claim the land that the Lord has promised to give them. God made a covenant with Abraham and promised to make his family into a great nation. And God also promised them a land for that nation to dwell in. So here Joshua and the Israelites are camped out by the Jordan River. The land that God had promised them, the land of Canaan, was right across the river. And they were preparing to cross over and begin their goal of obtaining and settling the land. So put yourself in Joshua's shoes here for a second. Moses was a beloved leader, and he's now dead. Joshua is the new leader of the Israelites, and he is about to head into enemy territory. He is about to head into battle. He's probably got his head full of tactics, preparing for what was coming. His mind is probably full of doubts and fears and insecurities and wondering about what is ahead. He has so much responsibility on his shoulders, and there's so much at stake. And what directives, directions, does God give to him? Let's look back at verse 2 to 6. He is only told to do three things in relation to taking the land. Arise. So he had been grieving, right? Moses had died, so he's grieving, and the Lord says, get up, okay? Grieving time's over. Get up. Go over, to the, go over the Jordan River and into the land. And number three, be strong and courageous. That's it. Those are the three things that Joshua is supposed to do to take the land. Get up, go into the land, and be strong and courageous. That is not a lot of detail. There isn't any military strategy in that. There is no specific advice about how these victories will take place. And now let's look at what God says he will do in regards to taking the land. I will give you the land. I'll make it so that no man shall be able to stand before you. I will be with you. I won't leave you or forsake you. So basically, get up, I'll take care of it, I'll be with you, 
I won't leave you. But then look at this. Look where he does go into further detail. Look at the directions about what Joshua is to do with the word of God in 7, 7 and 9. He gives five directions about the word of God. Number one, be strong and very courageous. Number two, be careful to do and to obey the word of God. Number three, do not turn from the word of God to the right or to the left. And number four, the word of God should not depart from your mouth. And five, you shall meditate on the word of God day and night. It's interesting that God gives way more detail to Joshua about how to pursue him through the word of God than how to take on the next big challenge in his life, a.k.a. conquer the land, settle the land, and establish an entirely new country. You'd think he'd want a lot of details for that big endeavor, but he doesn't get it, right? He does get details about how to pursue God through his word. And just think about that. Some of us have big goals and challenges ahead of us. You have a lot of unknowns about what the future holds, how things will turn out in a specific area of your life. And I'm sure you're lacking a lot of details about how some of these things will turn out. And they're a really big deal. And I know I I have some of that. I'm, I'm looking for some details that aren't there. And here's the temptation. We can be so focused on the details we want but don't have that we miss or ignore the details we need and are right there in front of us clear as day. So whatever goals, achievements, obstacles, and battles that you have in front of you this year, know that no other pursuit is as important as your pursuit of God. That is one of the things that God is telling Joshua here. So here's my invitation to you this morning. Together, let's stop squinting into the future, trying to catch a glimpse of what's to come. Let's stop searching and demanding details that God likely won't give, Instead, let's focus on the details he has given, the clarity he has given about how to pursue him through his word. That process is so much a part of the everyday um, challenge of, of going closer to the Lord. The pull to focus on the big things ahead and the obstacles and just the general whirlwind that can be everyday life, it is, can be hard to unplug from that mentality and to focus on the Lord. But we need the word of God. We need to be rooted in Jesus for our own flourishing. The main directive in this passage is in verse 7. So the second half of the passage is talking about what he's supposed to do with the word of God. And the main thing he's supposed to do is in verse 7. God says this to Joshua. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. In other words, be intentional about doing what I have said to do in my word. Obey my words. All the other instructions in this passage are around how to do this and what you need to do this. But the central thrust is this. He has given us his word so that we may live by it, so that we may be transformed by it. He tells us to align with him. So how do we do that? How do we be careful to do all that he has commanded us in his word? First, we need to be strong and courageous in order to do this. In fact, look at verse 7 again. This is crazy. I don't know if you're ready for this. I definitely wasn't. But this is what it says here in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Okay? And you're like, okay, what's crazy about that? Did you see it? God, God tells him he needs to be strong and very courageous in order to obey God's law. And the reason why this is crazy is because God just told Joshua to be strong and courageous for his upcoming military battles. But he didn't say to be very courageous for that, just regular courageous. You see that in verse 6? So Joshua needs to be regular courageous 
to lead Israel's in months and years in hand-to-hand combat, but he needs to be very courageous in order to obey God's word. Well, that, that doesn't make any sense, right? That can't be right. But God is telling us that we need more courage to obey him than go into literal battle. And like, why is that? Why is God telling us that? I'm not gonna lie, I struggle with this one. More courageous to obey than to fight for your life? But as I thought about it, I thought about what courage is for. What is courage for? Courage is needed when we are afraid and in danger. The greater the danger, the greater our fear, the greater the courage needed to face that danger despite our fear. So what does this all mean? God is telling us here that we are in more danger from the battle inside of us than we are from the battles outside of us. We need more courage to face the battleground of our hearts than a literal battleground. Because guess what? When we try to obey the word of God, it is a full-out battle inside of us. Some of us have been avoiding the more important battles inside of us and focusing all our energy and effort into the external battles and goals we are facing. And it's not hard to do. Climbing the next rung of the ladder at work is easier than killing the lust that is terrorizing your home. Achieving the next big thing is easier than trying to figure out how you're going to stop gossiping, stealing, coveting, etc. Do you see the need for courage? There's this thing inside every one of us that the Bible calls the flesh. And the flesh is simply our natural disposition to rebel against God and his word. The Apostle Paul says it like this in Romans 8, 7 to 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. So how do we overcome our flesh? How do we do battle inside of us so that we can obey God's word rather than our flesh? And it's right here in verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. And the main directive of this sentence right here is to meditate on it day and night. This word for meditate is not actually a silent thing. It's not a sit in the corner, empty your mind type of meditation. The word actually has a verbal aspect to it. It could be more literally translated to mutter, to repeat. So day and night, the words of God should be on our lips. God is saying to Joshua and us that we need to memorize his words, being able to repeat them if we are going to obey them. And remember, the main goal of this passage is to obey the word of God, not just to know them, but to obey. God is saying that to help us obey, we need to memorize his words so that they they can be with us wherever we go. So memorization of God's word is key because the internal battles in our heart against our sinful flesh happen almost exclusively when we don't have our Bibles open in front of us. I know, it's crazy. If only the battles of our heart took place during our quiet time with God, that would be wonderful. Okay, sinful flesh, I am ready. I've got my Bible open. I am prayed up. My grandma is praying right now. I am ready for your next attack. That is not how it works. We are almost always ambushed, and he never fights fair. And that means we need to take the word of God to go. We need to equip ourselves through scripture memorization. In his commentary on Joshua, Dale Davis says this, constant, careful absorption of the word of God leads to obedience to it. Lack of study leads to lack of obedience. 
I actually think the convenience of the Bible now for us works against us in this. We don't memorize scripture because the Bible is in our pocket. We have it wherever we go. And that's cool and great. But carrying around a Bible is not the same as having it on our lips. Because when it is on our lips, it is ready to be used and it can't be taken away. I think that some of us also associate uh, scripture memorization with something that kids do. That's something you do when a kid when you don't know anything. You know, I had to memorize scripture when I was a kid. I was in Christian schools and children's ministry at church, and that was just part of the learning process. You know, by the time I got older and could decide for myself what spiritual habits I wanted to have, that's when I decided, I'm good. You know, I've had enough of that. That, that sounds like school. That feels like school. But guess what? Even though I dropped that habit as I got into my adolescence, I still recall those verses from when I was a kid. They're in the NIV, so i got to translate to my new Bible that I read. But they're there, and they are ready for me when I need them. And they can serve you in times of need. You know, when you're struggling with something, search and find passages about that and commit them to memory. Okay, so Jesus did this. When he was tempted in the wilderness, he didn't just say, I'm God, leave me alone. He used scripture to fight against the lies of the enemy. He was equipped and ready. And if God does that, come on, we got to do that. Like, he is stronger than us, and we need that. You know, I think it's a fair and valid question to ask a fellow believer who is talking to you about their struggle they have, have you memorized any scripture on this topic? It should not be asked in a holier-than-thou attitude. It should not be asked to build yourself up and condemn somebody else. That's not what this is about. But if we are truly trying to encourage each other and build each other up, spurring one another on towards memorizing scripture is huge for our spiritual walks. So God calls Joshua to know his word, to have it ready on his lips day and night for whenever he will need it. But when God ends this section, it's, he does it in such an amazing way that I hope gives you encouragement as it did for me. You know, the subject of pursuing Jesus, being rooted in him, having spiritual habits, it could be a subject that is full of guilt and shame when we feel like we have lacked or when we have failed our own expectations or others' expectations for us. So let's be encouraged by how God actually ends this. He says this to Joshua in verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua didn't obey these instructions perfectly. He was a good leader, but he made mistakes. He had failures. God's promise to be with him was not contingent on what he did. It was a blanket statement meant to encourage him when he was in that low place, when he was in the dark place. He is to remember that he should not be dismayed because the presence of God will not leave him. And God proves this through the history of Israel. Like Joshua was a pretty good leader. And you can see why you know, God might want to stick with him. But after the book of Joshua comes the book of Judges. I don't know if you've any, spent any much time reading the book of Judges, but it can be downright depressing. There's not too many good leaders in the book of Judges. There's not too many good reasons for God to stick with the people through the book of Judges. But God's presence is a promise. He, didn't stick with, he stuck with them even at their worst, and he will with you as well. He knows we are weak. He knows we are prone to wander away. And ultimately, that is why Jesus came to live the life we can't live. After centuries of failure from the people of God to follow his word, 
God himself comes down and does it for us through Jesus. Not only did Jesus live the perfect pursuit of God the Father, he also paid the price for our failure to pursue the Father. And this is the greatest apologetic for the fact that when God says to obey his word, he's just not doing it just because he actually loves us. He actually knows what's best for us and what will lead to our flourishing. And when we refuse to do it, he comes down and does it on our behalf, pays what we can't pay, and changes what we cannot change, our own hearts. So as we lean into our pursuit of Jesus, let's also lean into the grace that is for us and the promise of God's presence with us. Do not be dismayed. God is with you. Now, today we have a special treat. I preached a little short of a sermon. Maybe it was my normal length. I don't know. Um, but uh, we have one of our own members, uh, Vera Schmitz. Um, she uh, has an organization that helps people memorize scripture. And um, so we're going to invite her up to share this morning. Give a hand for Vera. I got to listen to that uh, this morning, so that's my second round, and it just is so good. Thank you for sharing um, God's word with us and the power of knowing his word. Um, I'm just so excited that Carlos invited me up here to share my testimony of what God has done in my life. Um, he is so good. So I'm going to share with you what he's done for me, and I hope it encourages you that he has something for you in his word every day. When I was a kid, <clears throat> I always dreamed of becoming an Olympian. And in 1996, I was about eight years old, and the women's gymnastics team, the, they called them the Magnificent Seven, Dominic Dawes and Dominic Mociano and Carrie Strug and Shannon Miller, the whole team down in Atlanta, went down to Atlanta and won the Olympic gold medal as a team. And I remember watching that as a kid, sitting there trying to do my splits and thinking, one day I'm going to the Olympics. I'm going to do that. And so I fixed my mind on that, and it was like this little seed that was planted in me. At the same time, as an eight-year-old, you know, in my home, we, we always read the Bible, and, and I was very familiar with who God was, but it wasn't until my oldest sister went to college and um, gave her life to Jesus through a campus ministry. She came home one weekend, and she was like, hey, Vera, I'm, I'm eight. She was like, hey, if you want to, you can choose today to follow Jesus, and I was like, I can, let's do that, tie me up. And so I prayed with her, and I started following Jesus at the age of eight. But it wasn't, but a day later, maybe a week later, I don't remember exact timeline, but I started to doubt whether or not I had prayed the right words or if I was really saved. And thank God, he is so kind, even to children. I mean, we're talking about an eight-year-old I had the wherewithal to open up my scripture when I was scared at night as to whether or not this was real in me. And he brought me to a passage in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, that says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And it spoke to me as a small child. I was like, I don't have big faith, but I, do, I can do that mustard seed thing. 
And I never doubted again. It was through his word, one verse, that sealed in me that confidence that Jesus had saved me. Fast forward 10 years to 2006, and I'm on that track toward the Olympics. I had given up splits and cartwheels for pole vaulting. And by the time I'd moved my way through high school, I had won three state championships and gotten myself a full ride scholarship to go to Indiana University. But during that time, I had not lost my awareness of the power of God's word during whatever season you are in. And I would write scripture on my wrist um, in pen or in Sharpie marker. I'd write Bible verses on my wrist and show up to track practice for, if I got any track people, repeat 400s, which will kill somebody. And I would, you know, like the most cliche, which the Bible's never cliche, but like the most like uh, what you're going to see like on a poster board at a football game, like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, Philippians 4.13. And I'd write it on my wrist and I'd be like leading my pack of girls, like, let's go, we got this. And we'd do our repeat 400s, but I, I knew that there was power in God's word for whatever I was doing. And at that time, it was trying to win state and try to get myself a scholarship. And God was good to me to always show up, show up in those times. And fast forward to 2016. Now, 10 years later, I've gone on to Indiana. I won Big Ten championships and become a three-time All-American. And, and now I, I truly am pursuing with all of my effort trying to make an Olympic team. The 2016, it's, it's the Rio Olympic year. And if any of you have watched the Olympics, which I'm sure, you know that it's like, it's every, you're doing everything. It's like, what, how much am I, am I getting enough sleep? Am I eating the right food? You got your prehab, you got your workout, you got your rehab, you got your therapy, you got your sports psychologist. But really all of that is nothing without a sound mind. And so I continued that practice of writing scripture on my wrist. And actually my, my friend uh, and track teammate who then became my sister-in-law, she said to me one day, because I would walk, I had like a full sleeve of Sharpie marker, a Bible verses on my wrist. And she's like, why don't you just write like the first letter of every word of the Bible verse? Because then when you look at those letters, it challenges you to recall the verse instead of just read the verse. And I was like, oh, that's super smart. So like if the verse, let's say it was, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight. I would write T-L-W-F, the Lord will fight. And so that's how I started to memorize scripture. I'd put this like little acronym on my wrist. And so I used that through my, that whole training season. Now, spoiler alert, I did not make the Olympic team. Came up short of that goal. And I had no idea just how hard the next season of my life was going to be. Now, even though I knew my identity was in Christ, and I, I fully believed that, and I walked it out every day, I had no idea that when you pursue a goal for your whole life, for 20 years, and all of a sudden, you're not doing that thing anymore, there's this void, this thing. And I had no plan for filling it up, because I was, I was going to the Olympics, y'all. <laughs> I wasn't planning on not making it, so I had no plan B. And so I had this huge void, and it was in that time that the enemy just started whispering lies into my mind. It was so bad that I got, it got to the point, I had so much anxiety, I, would, I had a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. I would wake up at 2 in the morning, and my heart would be racing, and my mind would, it was like I literally had a voice telling me lies in the middle of the night. 
But I had this practice. I had learned this practice of, of treasuring God's word. And so I would roll over first thing in the morning. I'd wake up and I, I would be scared of my own thoughts. And I would roll over and I would open scripture and I would just read it and read it and read it. And I'd write it on my wrist and I'd memorize it. And when it came time to even get out of the house to go to the grocery store, I didn't even want to do that. That's how paralyzed I was in my own mind. And this was before the, you know, the cool apps that will like read to you in Morgan Freeman's voice. And so I wrote out a bunch of verses and I recorded my own voice in a voice memo. And I would put that in my ears so that I could get up the courage to go to the grocery store. God's word was sustaining me through the darkest time. There was nothing I could do out of my own strength. He was sustaining me through his word. And he was good. He brought me up out of this pit. Like, it's, it's unbelievable. And what, here's something. When you're in it, you're like, what in the world is going on? Lord, help me. And what the, the enemy meant for, like, he was trying to take me out in retrospect. I know now. But God meant for good because I learned to love and to cherish his word. At the end of that season, I continued to, like, you know, write scripture all the time on my wrist. And I one day looked down at this acronym, and I was like, I was memorizing, I think it might have been Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And I was looking at all those letters, and I was like, I should make a temporary tattoo out of that. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? And so I, like, sketched up. I'm not, like, an artist or anything. And I, was, I sketched up a little drawing of those letters. And I was like, man, I've, I'm going to look up, see if I can find out how to make a temporary tattoo. So I find this website. I go on there to order a tattoo. And um, they only come in packs of 25. I'm like, I only need one. But I was like, okay. I'm going to order this, and um, I was like, you know, maybe it will help my friends memorize this Bible verse, too. So I order them. They come in. I put it on. I'm like, that's kind of rad, and I mail them out to my family and friends. I'm like, hey, see if you can memorize this Bible verse using this temporary tattoo, and sure enough, they're like, wow, I never thought I could do that, but I memorized this verse. That actually worked, and it was like a switch went off, and I was like, I got to help people know God's word. I have to help people know that it's the truth of God's word that will sustain them and be their bread. And so I started with my older sister who had um, shared that I could accept Jesus today as an eight-year-old. She and I decided to start um, basically a ministry business, business tree, whatever you want to call it, um, to help people know God's word. And the whole point was if I can help one person know one verse, then it will all be worth it. And six years later, we've memorized, as a community, 73 verses. And I found in that time that consistency, doing the small thing, because we got some folks on it, like Instagram or Facebook, they're like, why are you only doing one verse a month? Because we memorize one Bible verse every single month, just one verse. And people are like, you should be doing four verses a month, once a week or whatever. And I'm like, Mm-mm. It's consistency doing the small thing that produces a harvest that you then will feast on for the rest of your life. And so I've continued to just fill my mind with God's truth. And in those moments when I am feeling overwhelmed and I have an anxious thought, I remind myself that the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Exodus 14, 14. 
And when my child wakes up in the middle of the night with a bad dream and he can't sleep, I tell him, return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Psalm 116, 7. And in the morning when my house is crazy because I got three little boys and I'm just trying to look for that quiet moment, I remind myself of Psalm 90, verse 1, that says, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. And when I have those perfectionist tendencies come back, which I struggle with as an achiever, I remind myself of what God says. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Jeremiah 31.3b. His word, one tiny verse at a time, is my soul's food, one bite at a time. So, here's my challenge, because I could just stand up here and be like, y'all need to memorize your Bibles. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Um, you know, I said I mentioned that my, this ministry, business tree, dwell differently is what it's called, and you can find us like on Instagram and stuff. But we do this now with the temporary tattoo, so I have mine on right here. Um, you can throw it up there if you want to. Um, so this month, our whole community is memorizing Romans 12, 12, B. So follow along each letter. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Romans 12, 12. And every time you look down at your hand, you've got this reminder. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Romans 12, 12. And we got little key tags and a little print too. But I want to equip you guys to actually try this because you can do it. Just like Bryce said, this is not just for the little kids, and it's also not for only for retirees who have the, all the time to do it. That's, that's a lie. It is for each of us. So we've got a kit for everybody. If you're, if you're a single person, we've got a single kit. If you're a family, you get a bigger kit that's got more tattoos for your kiddos or whatever. But I want to give you the opportunity to actually try this out. But here's my second challenge. Well, first of all, this, that verse, that last one, that might be the one for you. That might be the word that God has specifically for you today, and that's beautiful. And you might be like, yeah, I'm not really in it right now. Guess what? You will be. So get it in you now so that when the moment comes, you're prepared to fight. But maybe you have something else going on. Just like Bryce said, whatever that lie is that you're believing or the fear that you have, or the prayer you don't have words for, for your friend who's in a way, like, go get God's word for it. There's nothing greater. You know, he spoke the universe into existence. He didn't make, he spoke it. His word has the power to create a universe. Don't you think it has the power to transform your life? I guess that's what, that's what I got right here. I was like, what else I got? Nothing. You can scan that QR code. I guess I got something else. You, you can scan the QR code. Because like some, for some folks, they're like, I'm not into the tattoos. We also got stickers out there if you're not into the tattoos. But if you want the digital stuff, put it on your phone. Every time you open your phone, you're going to see that. If you're, you want to sign up for a membership, great. You don't have to. I, I hesitate to even talk about this because I don't want anybody to feel pressure. What I would do if I was you, just go on to our Instagram. You can screenshot all our past verses and memorize them. I don't care. 
But specifically, whatever the thing is that you are struggling with, go find a truth and memorize it. Start with one verse. It has more power than any word, just like Bryce said, than any word anybody else could say. It is everything. It is our life. It is our bread. God is good, and he wants to be near to you. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.